check, check, one, two. see you all here this morning. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Indeed he is. He's been good to the Clemick family this week. Uh, Jordan, you have an addition to tell us about? Great to hear. Interesting ringtone. Uh, as far as the announcements go this morning, the uh, Lexington Historical Society will meet tomorrow after or tomorrow evening, starting at six o'clock. And uh, the guest speaker is going to be the Queen of the Hobos. <laughs> Duly elected at one of their uh, con national conventions several years ago. It's a one-year term. But uh, she has written a book about her. Her father was hobo, and uh, she has written a, a book about some of his escapades. It's, uh, it's interesting, and, and uh, we've heard her speak before. Her name, her hobo name is Gypsy Moon. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yes. Ah. Speaking of the Historical Society and those kind of things, uh, the author of the book, Kiss Your Elbow, she has said she would love to come and meet with the folks here in Lexington, talk about the book or whatever. And But she, she's requesting a Saturday or Sunday afternoon because she doesn't drive after dark. Mm -hmm. So you guys want to arrange that and work it out and let me know and I'll get back with my brother and he'll, he'll tell her. Okay, get with us after church and we'll talk about it. Any other quick announcements for the good of the good of the order or the town? When's the next fish fry, Mike? First Friday in May. First Friday in May. And then the last Saturday will be the uh, pork chop dinner at the lodge. So... Yummy indeed. Let's uh, continue to praise the Lord this morning. We're turning to number uh, 75. What's that? Oh, do we have any birthday? Oh, we had one, didn't we? <laughs> Who we got? Kathy? Did I see your yep. hands? Oh, well, it's not my birthday. But don't y'all put money in there when it's other people's birthdays that you like? You can if you want to. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now let's all do it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. 
anniversaries. No anniversaries. We sure do. Okay. Let's just praise the Lord. Amen. Number 75. Let's stand and sing. We'll get that right one of these days, Jeannie. I'm going I'm to be with you one of these days. It's all right. Praise the Lord anyway. Let's turn to number 174. Open my eyes that I may see visions of true glimpses of truth thou hast for me.
Church, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father in God, we come to you this morning because you are God and we are not. We recognize our need of you. Your word is clear that without you, we are nothing. But also it tells us that with you, all things are possible. Yes. So we come together with you this morning asking that you bless, meet every need of every heart that is in this place. And even let us carry it out of here so that your blessings will extend beyond just the walls of this church. Let us share your joy and your love with all that we come in contact with. Because we receive such a blessing here this morning that we cannot contain it. So Lord, we look to you to lift us above all of the challenges of life, all of the problems, all of the things that we hear negative on the news because your news is good news. So let us focus on that and praise you in Jesus' name. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 239, Beneath the Cross of Jesus.
our uh, communion meditation will be given now by uh, Brother Mike Higgins. this morning is when we don't get what we want. Does this sound familiar? You're in a store shopping and you hear a child asking for something they want. Now if the child is with a, a grandparent, they are most likely to get what they're asking for. But if they're with the parent, it may be a different story. If the initial answer is no, the child may ratchet up the volume and often with a scream yell out, I want it. Of course, a little cry never hurts too. Actually, we all know what it's like not to get something we really want. And that experience doesn't go away as we get older. The stakes get higher. For the child, it may be a candy bar or a cookie. We aren't so childish. What we want would be a new car or a promotion. Tragically, what we fail to get may even be more significant. Parents who will love me instead of abusing me, a husband or a wife who cares about my needs as much as their own. Yes, we all know what it's like to be denied something we really want. Did you know the same thing happened to Jesus? Just think back to Gethsemane. And listen to the agony with Jesus begged, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but you will, in Mark fourteen thirty six, Jesus was just like you and me. The cross and everything that went with it terrified him just as much as it would uh, with us. In fact, he was so frightened that he asked his father for a way out, any way out. At that time, Jesus understood that the only way he could get what he was so desperately wanted would be to give up his own mission, to reannounce the very reason he came to earth. And if we had done that, you and I would be without hope today. We keep seeing Jesus' actions as a measure of his love for us. But I still don't think we truly understand the depth of what he endured for us. Amen. Maybe we don't really want to understand. This much we know, every child has to come to re recognize that sometimes we don't get what we want. The same is true for each of us. Life is filled with choices and conflicts. It isn't giving everything I want. Sometimes it means giving up something I really want because I want something else even more. I think that's what Jesus decided he had to give up something he desperately wanted to be spared the agony of the cross. But he knew that there was something he wanted even more, and that something was you and me. He, we remember and are that choice today. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we're so thankful for your, your son that you gave to us. And we know, Father, there's a lot of times there's things in this world that we want that we cannot have. 
But the most important thing that we realize is that we want Jesus in our lives. And dear Father, as we remember now as his death, his burial, and his resurrection and all that he had done for each and every one of us. As we take of this loaf this morning that represents his broken body and the cup that represents the blood that he shed upon Calvary's cross. Let's do this in remembrance of him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's just take a few moments, just us and Jesus, face to face. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and broke it, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body broken for you, eat ye of it. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, Jesus took it and giving thanks, passed it among them saying this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. this morning in a sweet by and by it's going to be great to be there number 570 
seated. And Kathy has a special special for us this morning. figure this out. <laughs> this song, when I heard it, 10,000 <coughs> um, years, all I could think of was when David was coming back and he was dancing, just whirling around frantically, practically, and praising God. Um, it, this is Second Samuel 12 through, chapter 6, 12 through 15. I just wanted to read it real quick. And it, was, and it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and that all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and fattened an animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And I had to look that up because according to the, the, Talmud, the Talmud, the wearing of the ephod atoned for the sin of the idolatry of the part of the children of Israel. <coughs> so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark and the Lord with shouting and with song and sound of horn. We ready? <laughs> Worship his holy name. 
faithful servant. <laughs> oh, good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? <clears throat> mm. Well, I've had a lot of people ask me about my hand this morning. I appreciate y'all noticing and, and caring, uh, even though it was from an act of stupidity. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, just, just so that everybody's on the same page and you know, I'll tell you what happened. I was working at the back of my tractor. I was fastening something to the back and I saw my neighbor go by on his new lawnmower and I raised my hand up to wave at him. And when I had raised my hand, and boom, I hit the slow moving vehicle sign and just cut right back into my knuckles. I didn't realize I was cut till I put my hand back down and there was blood dripping everywhere. <laughs> so I went in and when I run cold water over it, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. That was no fun at all. I heard a different story. Oh, yeah, what'd you hear? I heard that your son's had you down trying to put a spike in your hand part of the cross. You just wiggled free. Ah. Well, that might be a better story, but not actually what happened. But <laughs> my, my, my son, Evan, after I told him what happened, he said, see, that's what happens when you try to be neighborly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that I can't see, I just didn't know the sign was there. <laughs> but I found it. <laughs> All right, this morning I'm talking about soteriology. What is that? <coughs> Greek word soter is savior or save. So soteriology is the study of salvation, the process. Uh, how does it happen? What do we do? How do we know how to be saved? That's what soteriology is. It's the Greek word, again, soter, means savior or to save. So soteriology. And, you know, at Passover, they have their meal called the soter. Huh? <laughs> All right. So 
What we're going to follow this morning is primarily Romans Road with a few extras. But for those of you who have been through uh, the Romans Road before, uh, we're going to go through it. And I'm going to, of course, add some commentary with it. But, you know, I have sat down at a table in a restaurant before uh, and shared the Romans Road with people and tried to help them to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I found one thing, unless it's one-on-one, it doesn't go very well because when you have three or four non-believers, they begin to mock and off of each other. But if it's just one-on-one, they're more apt to listen and the Holy Spirit grips their heart more easily. But we're going to start in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There's a lot of verses, so uh, I don't know if Mark's got them all on screen. No? Okay. So we will go through them. And it starts out here, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that tells me I'm not righteous, at least not on my own. When we live in the flesh, when we don't live with the spirit of God living in us, we have no righteousness of our own to claim. For a person who is a good moral person living in this world, but is absent of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, on judgment day, they will not be accepted into heaven. I mean, that's just the plain, simple truth, folks. It's all about Jesus. Our salvation is based on Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else. Nothing else. What he did on that cross, he paid the debt. And we will get to that here in just a minute because the next one explains a little bit more in depth about what this entails because when we go to Romans 3 verse 23 it says this it says that uh, well if I can find it here uh, 27 well yeah for all have sinned uh, but I cannot find it in there wow that is kind of frightening 21 there it is 22, 23, I'm sorry, I changed Bibles. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, I have it memorized, but I I prefer to read it so that everybody knows that I'm not wrong, okay? For all have sinned and fall short. That conjunction and ties that together, folks. All have sinned and as a result of that sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? Well, in this case, it's referring to his grace that's extended through Jesus for our salvation. So that if we know we still live a life of sin and have never been cleansed of our sin through the blood of Jesus by coming to him and confessing our sin and repenting of our sin and asking him into our hearts. 
and then obeying what he says. If we haven't done that, we still are on the pathway to hell. Now let's move on here to chapter 6, verse 23. And hopefully I can find it easier uh, than I did that one. Chapter 6 of of Romans and verse 23 says that for the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if the wages of sin is death, then what did Jesus do on the cross? He He died. In other words, he paid the debt of death. For your sins and mine. But he did more than that. He even shed his own blood like he became the lamb of God. The perfect lamb. The perfect sacrifice. You know all of the years that they had the sacrificial system going. The purpose of the sacrifice was for forgiveness and cleansing of your sins. They had an annual time of celebration and and a time of cleansing of their sins. Everybody brought their lamb uh, or what they had to offer. And then they had the time where the priest would kill the lamb, drain the blood, and then they would make this offering to God. And that would forgive your sins for that year. Now, it wasn't permanent. It was just for that year, for that time frame. And that's where the biggest difference comes in. The lamb could not, because it was not one of us, it could not pay the eternal debt for our sin. It could wash away our sins for that period of time. But that was all. But the people doing that were looking forward to the Messiah that would come as the perfect lamb of God who would die for their sins. We look back on that act, and in that act, we have to, by faith, accept that what he did was sufficient to cleanse us of our sin. Now, that sin that he cleansed is past, present, and future sins. All right? He knows that we're not going to stop sinning. So, He cleansed us even ahead. However, that does not mean that we can go back to a life of just enjoying the flesh and living a sinful life. He didn't die and cleanse us of our sins so that we could waller in the mud like a pig and be going back to our filth. He cleansed us so that we could enjoy a life of holiness and righteousness in his presence, walking with him Instead of having this big gap between us. It's very important that we realize that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid with his life. He paid that death atonement. And the blood was shed. Because we're also told in another place without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. But I'm glad that it doesn't just stop there. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. Wow, what a gift. Now we're going to go back to chapter 5 and verse 8 of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, let's see here, 7, 9, where's 8? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, wait a minute. <clears throat> now, let's say that I have somebody that I don't like very much. Now, that, couldn't ha- that couldn't happen, right? <clears throat> and that person, <clears throat> even though they're a constant annoyance in my life, They have a need. It's my job as a Christian to extend the grace of God, not the grace of Mitch, but the grace of God to that person and help them even though I don't like them very much. Folks, love is a strong thing. When it's God's love working in us and through us, you'd be amazed at I mean, you know, I I know I've shared this before, but I read or heard on the radio one time, I forget what it was, but there was a woman who, she was at a grocery store, and she come out of the grocery store, and a man was, grabbed her as she was putting her groceries in her car, threw her in the back seat of her car, and proceeded to begin to rape her. And while this was going on, the whole time that he was abusing her, She kept telling him, Jesus loves you and I love you. You shouldn't do this. This is a sin. Jesus loves you and I love you. You shouldn't do this. This is finally the guy stopped. He just got up and he said, Shut up. (laughs) She said, No, it's the truth. Jesus loves you and I love you. He said, How can you say that after what I've been doing? She said, Because that's just my body. It doesn't matter. My spirit. You didn't touch. (laughs) Now, folks, that's the way we ought to all live. What happens to our body? It it just happens. But nobody can touch our soul. If someone ever wants to persecute us for for our faith, they can't touch our soul or our spirit unless we allow them in. Once they get in under your skin... The devil has won. We have to stand true in the presence of God, in the, with Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God living in us saying, it's okay, it's okay. I still love you. I still have you. It's okay. You know, I've also shared as part of my testimony before is because, you know, a little while after I got divorced and and everything was messed up in my life. I was driving down the road over 100 mile an hour, actually about 120, <laughs> and I was going to crash into a concrete wall. I was already headed for it. And then Jesus got in the car with me and hugged me and spoke in my ear, and he said, the devil wants you to believe nobody loves you. That's not true. I love you. Amen. That. That changed everything, folks. I just broke down and cried, stopped, and sat on the road, side of the road for half an hour and just cried. (laughs) 
because Jesus' presence and his love meant so much to me in that moment. And I've never forgotten that. I never will because that changed everything. Because I realized I'm not alone. I don't need to feel lonely. I don't need to feel unloved because God loves me. You see, the devil tries to convince us that even if we're a Christian, God don't love us. He tries his best to convince us. Well, I'm sorry, but if you think about what Jesus went through for you and for me, if that doesn't display love, I don't know what does. So we have to remember. We have to remember. This is all part of our salvation. It's, it's part of who we are. Now that we are members of the family of God, this is all part of who we are. The next scripture is in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 of Romans. Chapter 10, uh, verses 9 and 10. I'm sorry, I'm, uh, this got a lot smaller print. So That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Wow, what a promise. We just realized that he did this for us while we were his enemy. While he could have just said, no, sorry, you're evil. I don't want nothing to do with you. But that's not his nature. God is love. And so because he's love, but also because he's just the judge, he had to pay, the debt had to be paid somehow. Because he couldn't just overlook our sins and say, ah, you know, he pluribus unum, you're... (laughs) You know, it doesn't work that way. There is a debt that has to be paid. Once God says something, he doesn't say it and then change it. He says it and it stays. He said that sin is wrong and it has to be paid for. And the price is death. So then he got, because of his love, he didn't want us all to just die and go to hell. In fact, we're told it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow. Now, there is a false teaching that is becoming more and more popular, unfortunately, and that is that everybody's going to heaven. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how you lived, no matter if you ever accepted Jesus Christ or not, you know, all dogs go to heaven. In this case, all humans go to heaven. I'm sorry, folks. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If that was true, then why did Jesus die? He did it for nothing. If everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. Why did he go through that suffering? And why did God say that there is a penalty of death for our sins? And in this case, death can mean physical death. But more importantly, it means spiritual death. There is no life. You know, have you ever seen somebody walking around that their eyes just kind of glazed over and they look hollow inside? 
That's a lost person, folks. They are struggling with life. They are struggling with their sin. And the devil has them bound to some kind of sin. And that's why they can't see. He's got them blinded. They cannot see the truth. It's sad how many people there are today, even people in positions of authority and leadership, that are so blinded to the truth that they're telling lies all the time and they don't even know that they're lying. That's why they need our prayer. They don't need our condemnation nearly as much as they need our prayers. That's one of Jesus' hard sayings. (laughs) But, you know, even while we were at enmity or enemies with God, he still sent Christ to die. If that's not love, folks, what is? What is? And now we go to verse 13 here of chapter 10. And here we find it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's the thing. There is a difference of opinion about baptism, okay? In many different uh, denominations, many different beliefs, some people believe that, you know, everything, just like it says, once you say, once you confess your sins and accept Jesus as Lord, You don't need baptism. Why was Jesus baptized? I mean, come on, folks. He's our example. I don't care what denomination you are. Baptism is important, if for no other reason, because Christ did it and said this is the right thing to do. That's what he told John in so many words. This is the right thing to do, so let's do it. We're setting an example for others. And so we need to be baptized. Now, what is a baptism? <laughs> Here's another part of soteriology, okay? Another part of the study of salvation. In the Bible, I don't care which Bible you have, in the Bible, in the original language in Greek, the word that is used for baptism everywhere is baptizo. What does baptizo mean? Baptizo means Immerse. There has been other uses of that word outside of the Bible, and it always means to immerse into the water. If they'd had a submarine back then, they would have said, let's baptize the submarine. It would have been immersed down into the water, and that would have been what they meant. So this idea of being sprinkled, no, sorry, that's not biblical. The idea of having water poured over your head, sorry, again, that's not biblical. Now, are there exceptions? Well, I can't find any in the Word of God. However, I've been in situations in nursing homes where there were people who were too sick to get into the water. What do you do? They want to be baptized. But the doctors and the nurses are telling you, no, you ain't doing that. So I have put oil on them before. Anointed them with oil as a baptism. You know, rather than sprinkling them with water. 
I, I honestly believe and felt led by the Lord to do that because I feel like that it's important for them to have some form of baptism. And if they can't do it the, the way that is normal because of their circumstance. Now, I've also taken patients that couldn't walk and put them in one of the shower wheelchairs and then had them fill up the whirlpool for me. And I dumped them in the water with a, uh, with a wheelchair. I had to have help, but we got it done. Where there's a will, there's a way. But the normal way of baptism is by immersion. Now, there's also different ideas of, are you saved before or after baptism? And honestly, that's up to God. That's not up to any man to decide. We argue about that with our brothers in the Baptist church and other churches. But what we just read was, he didn't say, and be baptized. He said, once you confess, you're saved. And that's what they cling to. But then there's the idea that, you know, that in the, in the book of Acts, every time somebody was saved, they were baptized immediately. Not the day after. They didn't schedule it a week later. They did it right then. And it always says they were happier after they were baptized. And I think we all have had that experience. That after baptism, we feel cleansed. After baptism, we feel more complete. Why? Because we have done everything that Jesus said we're supposed to do. Because baptism is definitely included because when Jesus gave the command, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, he said to teach them too, but, you know, he still said he included baptism as a part of it. Now, whether if a person, let's say a person uh, gets, gets, gets saved, gives their life to Jesus, and then before they can get in the baptistry, they die of a heart attack. Is Jesus going to kick them out of heaven because they weren't baptized? I don't think so. I just can't see a vengeful God like that. What I see is a loving God who says, hey, you did what you, what you could. Because he honors when we make a motion in the right direction. He honors that. You know, I don't know any one of us or anyone anywhere else that has ever lived the Bible 100% correctly except Jesus. He's the only one. That means that none of us are doing it exactly right. But we are doing the best we know how. And if we're not, then we have a problem. <laughs> if, if we feel uh, condemned in our life over something, we need to fix that. Because that's God's way of saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Or you should be doing something else. And we need to pay attention to that. Now we also want to go back to chapter 5 and read verses 1 and 2 of Romans. All right, here in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now, here's something else along with all of this is that implied in all of this, and more specifically, there are places where it's more than implied, it is, it is clear that the idea of baptizing babies is not biblical. Nothing biblical about it at all. In order for a person to be saved, <clears throat> okay, the first thing that is required is that you need to be able to recognize what a sin is and that you are a sinner. If you've never recognized that you, 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 you've sinned and that you are a sinner, you can't be saved, I'm sorry. Because if you're not a sinner, there's nothing for you to be saved from. Plain and simple, folks. And yet, when a person is, is in a, a situation of Catholicism or some of the others, they baptize them as a baby, and that baby has no choice, has no idea that it's a sinner. It, it is not choosing to honor God. It is just baptized because that's what the priest says you're supposed to do. And then later on when they're 13 years old, they confirm them in that salvation, but they don't teach them that they have to repent and accept Jesus for their Lord and Savior. And it's sad because many of those people will end up in hell because they have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It was done for them. And I'm sorry, folks, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says someone can accept Christ for you. Your mom can't do it. Your dad can't do it. The priest can't do it. You must acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. You have to acknowledge your sin. You have to acknowledge that you need to be saved. You need to be cleansed of your sinful life. And then you have to realize that Jesus is the only one who can give you that cleansing. He's the only one who can save our soul because he is God in the flesh who came as a man so that he could die for man. You know, I've used this, uh, I've used this illustration many times before, but it's still appropriate. There was one time there was, a, there was a man, he had his little boy, and his little boy had an ant, one of those ant farms, Y'all, y'all remember the ant farms? Uh, I think everybody in here is old enough to remember an ant farm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you could see the ants working in there. And this little boy, he was just fascinated. He was watching these ants. Well, they're all working over here except for one. That one is over here kind of by himself, and he looks lost. And so the little boy starts tapping on the glass. Hey, hey, no, no, you got, <laughs> you got to go over. And his daddy says... Son, I'm sorry, but he, he don't know what you're saying. He said, well, why not? I'm motioning. I'm telling him. He said, well, in order for him to understand, you would have to become an ant and go down there and tell him. In order for us to understand God, he had to become one of us. And in order for us to be cleansed of our sins, he had to die as one of us. He showed us the way. He lived the way that we are to live. And he died so that we could come to be with heaven with him. 
And his resurrection means that we have hope beyond the grave. This is the, the crux, the, the, the main thrust of soteriology. There's one more scripture that I want to share with you. And if this don't make you shout glory, hallelujah, I don't know what will. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. You ought to have this one memorized. Because I don't need to read it. It says, therefore there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? We've been talking about it. You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. You have to acknowledge that you know. I mean, it's simple because a lot of times you, you get people, you say, have you, ever, have you ever stolen anything, even as a kid? Yeah. Well, have you ever told a lie? Yeah. Have you ever lusted after a, a member of the opposite sex? Yeah. Well, see, you've already confessed that you're a thief, a liar, and a lust, a person who lusts. That's your sin right there. What? That's sin? Yeah, that's sin. All of it is. And when we know and recognize that we are sinners, then we should realize that the only way to be saved from our sin, the only way to be cleansed of that sin is through the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He was paying that price of death. And as his blood was spilt, so as in the days of the sacrifices, it is a way of cleansing us of our sins, washing our sins away. And then we confess that we are sinners to him. Then we repent of that sin. In other words, we turn from our sinful lifestyle and turn to God to live a life of holiness and righteousness. And we obey the scriptures. We learn and study the scriptures. Christians should have a, a, a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. It, we should be able to get into the word and rather than falling asleep after reading it a little bit, we should get excited because the devil wants to make us think it's dull and boring, all these begats and all this and that. But folks, once you read through the Bible several times, then you begin to see an overall picture you are able to begin to see that it's all one story. There's many books, but there's only one story. It's God's story and the story of his people. And throughout, from Genesis 1-1, all the way through to Revelation 22, the end of it, it is all one story. It has one theme throughout. Jesus is Lord. And without him, you have no hope of heaven. You'll go to hell. Horrible, horrible place. I don't even like to talk about it. It's so horrible. That's what soteriology is. And this is the significance of our faith. 
This is the thrust of the message of salvation. This is what Jesus died for. That's why it's a big deal, folks. If, if, if our souls are so important to God that he came in, in the form of Jesus so that we would be able to hear and see the truth lived out. And it's all written down for us to this day so that we can still hear it and see it. If it was that important for him to come and die for us, then it should be important to us to learn more about what he did and why he did it, how he lived so that we can live like him. That's being a disciple, folks. That's being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In the old days, disciples like the disciples of Jesus, they give up everything they had going in their life prior to becoming a disciple, and they lived with their teacher. They didn't just learn by hearing from their teacher. They learned by doing what their teacher did. They watched everything, and they imitated it to the letter. That's what being a disciple really means. So with that definition in mind, how are we doing? If you have never truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if there's some part of that process that was not followed through appropriately, you need to pray and ask God, do I need to fix this? Is there something in my life that isn't right? Let me get it right before it's too late, God. I mean, none of us in here are spring chickens. That's kind of sad, but it's true. And we all have a limited number of days. I've looked everywhere, and I cannot find my expiration date. I mean, you know, I've had mirrors in the back of my head and everything looking. I just couldn't find it. So I don't know when my number's going to be up, but I know one day he's going to call. And when he does, I want to be ready. I don't want anything in the way. I mean, I'm saved. I know I'm going. But I don't want to have to stand there and him say, why were you doing that? Why were you doing this? I had to call you home because you've been bad. I couldn't use you no more. What? (laughs) Uh, I believe that happens, folks. Someone who's supposed to be a representative of his... And then they start living like the devil. I think he puts an end to it if you refuse to repent. But none of us knows the day or the hour. Whether he returns or whether we go be with him. Either way. And we need to make sure that we're ready. If you have a need, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation this morning is number 364. The Savior is waiting. But stand and sing and come.
want to tell you, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I did that many years ago, and I know it's still effective today. Amen. But if you've never done that, if you've never publicly confessed his name to somebody yes. else, you'll hang in your wings somewhere. Amen. You may believe God, you may believe Jesus is the Son. Yes. But you've got to say it with your mouth. Amen. Yes. Yeah, and you have to live it. Well, the best you can. Right? Yeah. And the thing is, Jesus will help you. Yes. But, you know, even the devil <laughs> confesses that Jesus is real and fears and trembles, it says. So sometimes he, he gets deeper into belief than we do. <laughs> but it's not enough just to confess. That's just the beginning. From there, we have to grow into obedience. And the only way we can do that is by studying the Word Putting it in the front. Yes. First step is perfection. It is knowing that you're a sinner and repenting, confessing and repenting and accepting Jesus. Then we confess publicly. That's the reason why anytime before we baptize somebody, before we accept them into fellowship, we have them to affirm that they still believe or that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that they promise to obey to the best of their ability. Yeah, and I don't have an expiration date either. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> We're all going to be surprised. <laughs> I think God intended us to be surprised so that we would be ready. <laughs> if we knew when it was, we might tend to play around something. And then at the last minute, Oh, save me, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Anything else from anybody? You can all sit down if you want to. What's that? So they can sit down if they want to. Yeah, you can have a seat. Uh, <clears throat> don't forget, 5 o'clock tonight, Bible study. Hope that I explained what soteriology is so that you all could grasp it. And uh, that you can share it with others. So, all right, let's pray and let's uh, meet back here at 5 o'clock this evening. And Mary is an excellent teacher and she always has very interesting things that we cover that holds your attention. I guarantee you won't be bored. <laughs> let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this privilege we've had to be together in your house again this morning. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us. And thank you, Lord, that your promise is you never leave us. You never forsake us. So, Lord, help us to always realize that even though we may not see you, even though we may not even feel your presence at the moment, you're still there. Just a, a hand away. You, you, you will reach out and touch us when we need you the most. Lord, let us be as faithful to you as we possibly can because you are perfectly faithful to us at all times. So let your love shine in us and through us so that we can grow your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.